Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alchemy of Business show, where we are always are talking about making wiser decisions, hopefully creating greater profits in your life and business, and focusing on higher purpose and those things that mean the most to in your life, and having guests on that do that at a very high level. And I can't think of anyone better to be talking about that today than our guest, Miss Sally Anderson. Sally's someone that I met actually halfway across the world. She actually is so progressive. She's actually ahead of us by far because it's already her next morning because she's on a completely different time zone. And she was gracious enough to be on our show here, The Alchemy of Business. She is a leadership coach to the influencers, and she is a visionary leader. She's really at the forefront of sustainable human and organizational information. She has this perspective because she has a traumatic history and eventually mastery to her own transformation, where she has done all types of things with various leaders, coaches, trainers, from reading, workshops, seminars, and then becoming a master herself, and then becoming someone who really has taught people at the highest level. She really understands about transcending the challenges of life and turning them into ways that can maximize not only her good, but of the good of others. And her philosophy and teachings are about application. She's very practical in what she does, but she's also very spiritual in how she approaches life. She is very, very determined. And she is really looking at dehumanizing the experience in an imaginal way to make sure that she's dedicating her life to helping others. She has shaped this, her own personal perspectives and her development and her traumas and some of the issues she's had in her life has really given her a unique perspective. And in doing this, people of all high levels have been attracted to her because she understands the human psyche and its ability to grow and to change and transform. She has privately coached key influencers nationally, internationally. She has over 20 years of doing this type of work. She's worked with CEOs, politicians, global influencers, visionaries, celebrities, millionaires, billionaires, and those looking for leading edge performance and sustainable transformation. So that's quite the bio. So let's bring on the actual real Sally Anderson. And welcome to the show, Sally. An absolute privilege to be on the show, Steve. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm so glad that you are here. Well, like I was saying on the intro, you're on a completely different time zone. You're down in, and it's not down under, but it's you're in New Zealand. So let's everybody know where you are and where you're from and how long you've lived there. And what time is it where you're at? Uh, The time now is about 20 to 10 in the morning. And if those of your listeners have not been to Aotearoa, New Zealand, got to put it on your bucket list. It is seriously one of the best places on the planet. Well, I've seen amazing videos. I've heard amazing things from people I knew before even meeting you. And in meeting you, I've learned even about more about the country from the cultures and the people and the background and the different tribes and the history there. So you've given me quite the education about New Zealand. So it's on my bucket list and I plan on getting there and seeing you when I'm there as well. So Sally, let's talk about this life that you've led. You have a very, a life that has the potential to have crushed many. I just would say that you looking at your background when you and I've spoken, every time I hang up from you, I'm just like, wow, some of these things that you do have done or go through from your way past or your current situation would have crushed many people. And how did you come to this point that you knew that there was a more in life and that you had to keep going and then go at a very high level, this transformation desire that you have. And a lot of what I talk about with people is transitioning, transforming and evolving, but you started at a very young age on this quest. So where did that come from? So I'll just warn your listeners before I start, I speak very fast. (laughs) So to give you kind of like a short synopsis on it all, I've done 33 years in the leadership trenches, so I feel like a bit of a veteran. Been in boardrooms since I was 23. I've been in private practice for 21 years, so turned 21 this year. Uh, so I developed an education curriculum called co-creative leadership or equanimous leadership. Who you are in your human form is limited. Who you are in your co-creative form is limitless. Teaching leaders on how to evolve their consciousness to be able to tap into the limitlessness of what's possible. And equanimous leadership is the ability to be the observer of what is, not how it could have been, should have been, wanted it to be. And considering the stress and the anxiety 
society and so forth that leaders experience, especially now post-COVID, uh, the art of equanimity from a leadership standpoint is very superior, you know, when you look at all of the type of leadership modalities that are out there. To me, it's a global first. So I was in New York on September the 10th, not realizing what was going to happen on September the 11th. I was in charge of 3,000 projects. It was a global restructure program. I was accountable for Dordrecht, Rotterdam, Den Haag, Amsterdam, New York, and Boston. I loved what I did. Uh, my background's in program portfolio and project directorship, uh, going into large organizations and implementing cultural change. But millions of dollars would be spent on these change programs, and I knew they'd never get a return on their investment three to five years after I walked out the door. So excuse the expression, but I felt like a bit of a prostitute in the system because I cared about the sustainability piece. I'd also been a course junkie for 30 years, named a book, a CD, a course, read it, listened to it, went to it, struggled to sustain the change personally. So all of the education that I've developed, and it's a global first, nobody else on the planet is focusing on the sustainability element of personal and or professional transformation. I led my own retreats for 10 months of the year for 10 years to C-suite, one hell of a case study. And they'd done everything. They'd done the landmarks, the avatars, the Anthony Robbins and so forth. They'd done all of the leadership development trainings. But for whatever reason, they hadn't experienced the level of transformation that they wanted, nor did they know how to sustain it. And so my passion is around not only, you know, how do you change, but how do you sustain the change? And so over the last uh, 21 years, um, obviously being in America when September 11th hit was kind of like my wake-up call. Yeah, no. And I returned to New Zealand and started up my practice, started developing the education. So I've written two books, uh, Free Fall, Living Life Beyond the Edge, which is the personal development book of the before and after application. And then The Co-Creative Aid, uh, The Next Evolutionary Phase in Leadership, which is the leadership book where I talk about some of the leadership distinctions uh, from a co-creative standpoint. We're in the information age now. I believe the next age is the co-creative age. Um, and I wrote that book in 90 days. Very, very proud of that. You just Done channeled it. it. I, and I've read it. It's, it's very good. Yeah. So it does feel like something that was channeled from higher that came to your intelligence as well. So thank yeah. you for getting that work out in the world. Yeah. We'll have that in the show notes for people afterwards as well. So I've done two 60-minute documentaries. This documentary came out in 2004 and that was a life-altering experience. I got on camera with one of my perpetrators. So a lot of what I've experienced is through adversity. Brought up in a fantastic family here in New Zealand. I got my first job hiring out skis. I was an avid skier. Born in New Zealand, went to Canada for four years, came back. So I had a kind of like a Kiwi come Canadian twang. Mm. In the early 80s, a lot of people used to hitchhike. So me being 15, I looked older than what I was, hitchhiked to in, into a local township and shopped till we dropped with my first pay packet. Um, for your audience listeners, you know, can you remember when you got your first pay packet and you could spend it on what you wanted to spend it on? And it was a bit rebellious to go into the local bar, uh, but we did. And my girlfriend went missing, my bag went missing. And what we didn't realize is that we we're being cased out by a notorious gang here in New Zealand. And what transpired changed the trajectory of my life. So I was a, it was one of the worst reported gang rapes in the history of New Zealand in the early 80s. I was abducted and gang raped by more than 100 men, uh, thrown onto a butcher's block, raped from every orifice, 12 hours. Uh, the degree of damage that was done to my vocal cords is the reason why I have such a deep voice. And, you know, I've had a corporate career and have led many retreats and many seminars and many workshops. And as a woman, you know, when you're dealing with body dysmorphia, given what was done to my body, it's always very confronting because most people in the audience are trying to work out, is she a man? Is she a woman? Like, what is she? Because I exuded so much masculinity, it was never safe to be a woman. So I was abducted from that location, thrown onto the back of a truck, literally like a sheep carcass, taken to another location. The rapes continued until I lost consciousness. Nobody really survives an experience like that, but I did. In the early 80s, there was a lack of support for the victim. And so go back to school, act like it didn't happen. And so I lived into a good 20-year trajectory of, I didn't need to go to university and do a psych degree because I went to every form of psychosis myself. Uh, name and addiction, I had it. As I said, body dysmorphia, extreme self-loathing, vicious and a critic 24-7, high volume. That was my apprenticeship to do what I do today. There's very few shoes that I sit in front of where I don't have an appreciation for the dysfunction, uh, having had a direct experience. Hence my passion around wanting to transform counseling and or psychotherapy. I specialize in what I term the default identity. I believe everybody has a default blueprint. And I look at the notorious gang as my spiritual initiators that had that experience and I've occurred, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So I believe I am one of the most fearless practitioners on the planet. I'll go to places other coaches won't go to get results other coaches won't get. When you've gone beyond the comprehension of human terror and come back of your own accord, you kind of like learn a few things. So I stop people hurting permanently. And my passion is to be able to have this education reach the masses. I don't believe in acronym orientated diagnoses. So in my book, The Free Fall, I talk about I don't believe in depression, which is pretty controversial and anything that's got an acronym to it. So PTSD, for example. So I'm wanting my education, which is tried and proven up transform tens of thousands of people's lives in the military as a replacement for PTSD such that they can have a non-drug related solution to be able to provide 
there are different solutions. And to me, it's just a case of being found. Um, and I believe with the other things that we're going to be talking about on the show, your audience will understand why a bit later on. Well, that is so I and I've heard part of this story before when you and I've talked personally. And every time I hear that story, I literally just stop almost breathing and my body just really shudders from the experience. I know you were 15 and that was years ago, but it's still, I can't even imagine the trauma that you had experienced because there's not many people on the planet that has ever been through that. I mean, there are people that have, but not survived or not gone on to thrive as you did. So my deepest, deepest, again, respect for you on being able to say that these people were also a spiritual transitional, what was the word you used? Spiritual, what was the re- word you said that your perpetrators were your spiritual catalyst or? Spiritual initiators for what I do. Spiritual initiators. So to be able to look at that in that sense, is that also then in the consciousness of understanding they were your spiritual initiators, was there also forgiveness in that process of your perpetrators to, to get to be able to say what you just said in the same, I mean, in the same paragraph within a minute or so to talk about about that horrendous, horrendous, traumatic, inhumane thing that someone would, those people would have done to you. But then to have you be able to have that, how long did it take you to get to that process to even have the thinking that these were a catalyst to your spiritual growth and then you could possibly even forgive them? I know you went through a lot of things, as you said, with your own work, but how long did that take you to go through to that consciousness? I mean, there's many different schools of thought with reference to the art of forgiveness. I've done an extensive research on it. In the 60-minute documentary, it was the highest watched six minute segment in the history of 60 minutes new zealand it went on to win the Qantas humanitarian award that year uh, because at the end of the documentary where i was confronting one of my perpetrators my parting message was the only person who loses out of the inability to forgive is the person who can't forgive and so 90 percent of the focus usually is on the happening the perpetrator or the event and then maybe 10 percent on yourself i flipped that completely 90 percent of the focus needs to be on yourself because you can't do anything the event happened and most people are still focusing on the what happened and who did what and when it happened and so forth. My focus is on I became my own worst perpetrator to myself and I did that for 20 years. So I was never really focused on the mob. I was focused on me and putting myself back together. So for me to be able to have freedom, even the 60 minute documentary person, you know, said, why aren't you angry? I said, I've already done a 20 year life sentence. So I have a self-interest too. Um, forgiveness is not about condoning the what happened. I think some people collapse that as well. It's about being able to put it into perspective and realizing that you can't change the what happened, but you can change how you deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got to come back on another segment because we're going to a break, but I cannot think of any of the shows I've done so far that have had such an impactful 13-minute conversation in a short amount of time, Sally. So thank, we're going to come back and have many more segments with you here and talk some more about this and then get into talking about leadership and even more transformation. But again, thank you for being so raw and real about this experience of going to Victor and realizing that these people could become your spiritual initiator and then the power of forgiveness. So for those of you listening in or viewing, please come back. We are really just scratching the services to then what's happening. Sally has gone on in her life to do to help people find transformation, to find their own evolution and to find the co-creation of what they are here to do on this planet. So we will be right back. And thank you for listening to Alchemy of Business. We'll see you in just a few minutes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business. We are here finishing up an initial first powerful segment with Miss Sally Anderson from New Zealand, who is uh, just a major human being, a major spiritual human being. And I know that she is a leadership coach to influencers, but I just look at her as an amazing spiritual human being. And Sally, thanks for sharing such uh, personal, raw, traumatic things in this first segment about your attack and being able to get on a way of finding forgiveness and not condemning what someone did, but really finding ways to have your own responsibility of your growth after that, your own, what do I do about this thing that happened to me? So I'm assuming that in the days and weeks and months after there had to be lots of healing mentally, physically, emotionally, and that process for you, how long did it take you to get into shifting to, you said, kind of shove it under the carpet and go back to life? Did that happen? And then you really just did that? You went back to life and said, okay, nothing happened. And then you said, I can't live like this. I have to start finding personal growth or development. When did that growth start happening of this recovery? So in the early 80s, there was a lack of support for the victim. So there was no support. Go back to school, act like it didn't happen. And so I never spoke about what happened until I turned 35. So it was a 20-year trajectory. Wow. And so that's where it became internalized and where the self-hatred occurred. And so I literally lived, I didn't go to a course because I wanted to get motivated. I went to a course because I wanted to know how to get to the next day. Mm. And so having having lived in the leadership, I had uh, phenomenal mentors along the way who saw a possibility in me well before I saw possibility in myself. Having started in the boardroom when I was 23, I got my first senior appointment. 
And so I could go to work and live true to the facade and be in control. But then behind the scenes, I was pretty much full time back to back in courses and absorbing everything from the Wayne Dyers to the Anthony Robbins to, I mean, name anybody in the personal development movement. You did it. But the most significant training that I did that I attribute to being alive today, because uh, I was a suicidal maniac for a number of years. The only reason that I did not commit suicide was that my brother died when he was 23 and I didn't want to put my parents through another death. So he was kind of like my savior. And two other gang rape stream, one committed suicide and the other ended up in an asylum. So I'm very clear I shouldn't be here today. But the most significant training I did was with Landmark Education. And look, Landmark's not for everyone, but for me specifically, the power of distinction-based training, the power of ontological training. I was looking at training to be a forum leader and did six years of intense training with Landmark in one specific course often. So I trained for many years to uh, keynote uh, speaks. I've done over a thousand uh, keynote presentations internationally. And in one particular program, I was 35 years of age and people have asked me after when I've presented, they said, you know, what was the thing that changed your life? What was the thing that pivoted everything? And I was, <laughs> I'm very much a drama queen back in those days, um, pre-transformation. And I was not in a good space. And so the leader got me up on stage and said that I was a victim. Mm. And of all the things that I could call myself, one of them was not a victim. I had victim meaning weakness. And he gave me the distinction that victim is actually powerless to change the situation. And that moment, it was like a ticker tape parade that went right through my life. And I realized that I was powerless in every single area of my life. And he gave me the distinction choice. You've got a choice on how you feel, a choice on how you respond, a choice on what you do. You've got a choice. At that point in my life, life was doing it to me. And so I didn't think that I had a choice. But what I didn't realize was that my stinking thinking, you know, what I was thinking was actually, you know, how many books do we need to right, read that say, right, be, right, be, exactly. be, caref be careful what you think, your thoughts create your reality. Well, they do, but I had no context of how to change that dynamic. And so pretty much from 35 to now, I'm now 56, turning 57 to the, in May. Um, I've been on a trajectory of transformation, transcendence. And to me, equanimity goes beyond the realm of self-actualization and the whole Maslow's hierarchy. Uh, so equanimity is pretty much where I dance. The ability to be the observer of what is, not how it could have been, should have been, wanted it to be. I've got a doctorate in all of the rabbit holes. It's not fair. It's cruel. Why me? I mean, I've got doctorates in all of those. So yeah, it's you've been all down. Those, down all those holes and come out of them and, and risen from all, right? It's pointless yeah. going down any of them. Yeah. That's right. Well, and so many of these leaders that you have come to coach over the years, because as going through your own, I mean, I, I can't imagine any leader, male or female, that you've probably coached or been in programs with have had near. Everyone has their own story, but I don't hear many stories as traumatic as yours. So when these leaders are getting into their own victimhood that they may be getting into their YMEs and their companies or how they work with their team or the market or whatever. One of the things you do is you really help leaders overcoming their own struggle in uncertainty. I would guess that as you started realizing, not only am I gaining my own self-worth and I'm now a victor and no longer a victim, and as you're working with these leaders, what are some of the things in these programs that you do with all these leaders globally? And especially when you mentioned the, the global pandemic earlier, it sometimes that's put a heightened awareness on what is uncertain right now and what leaders can do do and not do in their own internal struggle that they might be having of their own imposter syndrome, not being able to stay up with the market, company growing too rapidly, their own addiction issues. So what is it you're doing now in using many, many, many of these things that you have learned through your own personal life in your practice with these leaders? And how are you incorporating these skills that you've learned from Sony Masters into these leaders that you're helping train through uncertainty? Great question. So obviously, pre-COVID, leaders could stay in term traditional leadership the linear space, left brain, hard skills. And most leaders are have done extensive training to stay in that space. But few would look at the non-linear soft skills, which seems to be the buzz, buzzword at the moment, which is quite ironic because they're hardly anything but soft. And there was more impetus for the more linear style of leadership versus the non-linear. COVID occurs. You know, although there's a viral pandemic going on, there's also a fear pandemic going on, mainly fueled by the media. And so it's thrown, it's unprecedented. It's thrown leaders into uncertainty territory. And if they haven't done the inner work on themselves, then they have difficulty in being able to, how do I navigate that uncertainty? It's unprecedented, the level of mental health. Mental health used to be a kind of like a compliance issue. Yeah, we'll look at it. We'll have to, we have to look at it, you know, for our employee base, but nobody talks about mental health at the most senior level, which is where I dump. And so I feel for these leaders because a, a high majority, there's a lot of little boys, little girls running businesses, running countries, running organizations that haven't done the work. And they're now 
now being forced to do the work because of the inability to know how to navigate uncertainty. And so uncertainty is my domain. Spirituality for me is about trusting the unknown as much as the known. Mm. What would you be capable of if you could trust the unknown as much as the known? Why are we so hell bent on knowing stuff? I'm more interested in waking up of a morning and learning what I don't know I don't know. And, and that's so true. I mean, but trusting the unknown versus the known. And obviously you have had a lot of experience in your life that you've had to step into the unknown because not many people have even been in that space to know what to do. But your unknown for you is your spirituality. And I want to definitely talk yeah. way more about that as well because I know you're a very, you're spiritual, you're practical, you have this power of choice and you understand people's defaults and how that works. And we're going to come back in a next segment. Uh, we only have about one minute left in this segment, but I love when you're talking about these topics that are so forefront in the world that need to happen right now with mental health. And I'm applauding some of the athletes as an example, like Michael Phelps or uh, Simone Biles, some of these Olympians who are considered at the top of their craft, just like a CEO or an executive or a business owner might be at the top of their business. These people are at the top of their skill and they're coming out and talking about the pressures of mental health, it's not just having a great body or a great bank account or having a great endorsement. It is this internal work on yourself that you talk about. So, you know, I think how many of your leaders, when you start with them, are willing to have that conversation about starting on their inner stuff versus help, having you help with the P&L? So let's have a little answer about that and then we'll jump back on another segment into the details of your models that you have because you have quite a bit of models yeah. that are pretty step-by-step uh, -step and process-oriented. Yeah. Well, traditional leadership, as we know it, is dead, so we can't return to what was. So there is a need for leaders to evolve to a higher level of consciousness. High percentage of leaders say to me, Sally, why, when I've come to see you about my business, are you talking to me about my childhood? I didn't design it, people, but everything stems from childhood, regardless of how good your childhood was. And in the context of leadership, specifically, you know, if you have a dynamic going with your mother or your father, you know, your first primary male or female role model, that leader will have issues with either the male or the uh, female gender within their business. It's all interlinked. And so to reach that level of transcendence, there isn't really a place that we don't investigate. And a lot of it has to do with all of the areas that a leader hasn't looked at. So it isn't a walk in the park. I'm not for everyone. But right here, right now, the co-creative leadership, the autonomous leadership space is rife because you cannot navigate what we're currently facing from the world of where we've come from. And which is why I'm excited to be able to uh, reach more leaders with the education. Well, and that's uh, part of the reason that visionary flows in your title or in your work, because you have that vision of understanding how to go somewhere that doesn't exist yet and help people get there. So Noel, before we sign off here, I know we've got slide four here with uh, Sally's, for those that are on visual, Sally's LinkedIn page. Uh, and hopefully you're going to stay on guest and listen to the next two segments we have, because you have probably been hearing some pretty powerful guidance and insights and raw, real stuff from Sally. But you can always check her out on her LinkedIn page. There's a visual here, her leadership coach to the influencers, you know, speaker, workshop, facilitator, many, many things that she does. But you can check her out on LinkedIn. We'll have all these in the show notes. But I want to come back and dig even further into this powerful stuff that you do with leaders. And you have a curriculum that you have created. And I love the word co-creation. And I love it more so because when I see your visuals of it, you take it more than just a word and you really turn it in. How do I have this power of choice? Okay, Sally, I have this. What do I then do about it? And if my operating system is faulty, how do I make it so it's not faulty? And how can I make it so it's my default? So it's kind of like we think about our iPhones getting an, an update on the, the app. Uh, you help people to unplug their own software to help give them an upgrade that may be completely different than what they had before. So if you're interested in hearing about to get your soul's body's minds upgrade, come back and listen more with Sally on the alchemy of business. We'll be right back, everyone. Thanks for listening in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. We are having deep, meaningful, powerful conversations with Miss Sally Anderson talking about trauma, talking about leadership, talking about control of your life and choice and power. And Sally talks with leaders in coaching scenarios, in workshops, and in speaking throughout the world. And she's been doing this for decades. And Sally, some of the times people say, hey, can you give me your top tips? Uh, sometimes people are still in this instant microwave world. I, can you drill it down for me? Give me the bottom line. You do do bottom line in your own life, but you also know that bottom line is only bottom line if you then are willing to do the work to get to the bottom line. So if we did, for the sake of our listeners, give some value out of these bullet points about what are your top Sally tips, if you would, is there anything you'd want to share? And then I want to jump into some training moments that we have on some of your curriculum itself. Mm. So I'm conscious of time. So Sally Anderson on speed, I'm wanting to give 10 recommendations to the listeners out there because there's a lot of leaders that are hurting right now. And I really have a conscience around that. So 
given the fear pandemic that I was talking about before, obviously recommendation number one is that you've got to deal with the fear. I train people to be a 10 every day. You know, if you're resonating at a 10, you'll attract 10 experiences. If you're resonating at a two, you'll attract two experiences. So number one, you've got to deal with the fear. You've got to deal with the fear within your executive team as well, because that dilute, you know, what it is that you're able to create. So one process is called the RESA process, recognition about, sorry, um, reaction, recognition, evaluation, sensation, reaction. And if you take the context of fear, fear is the access point. Then to observe the fear. Hmm, interesting. Fear's present. Ask the question, which is the recognition piece. What's actually really going on? Uh, then evaluation. Oh, I'm disconnected from source and I'm feeding a projection. 100% of the time that you are feeding some disempowered state, you are either in the past or you're in the future. You're just not present. And then to be able to distinguish that. And if you are disempowered, you're operating from child, not the adult. And then the speed with which you shift is the mastery piece. Realizing that if I was to be connected, I often say to leaders, have you ever tried to vacuum when you haven't plugged it in and turned it on? It's a bit tricky, you know? <laughs> and that's how most people do leadership, right? They're in the doing the state of leadership versus being leadership. And so the RISA process is a very fast process to be able to realize what's actually really going on and taking the focus off the dynamic. The speed with, so the key to self-mastery is not about not getting triggered. It's the length of time you spend in the trigger, a minute, an hour, a day, a week, a month. All of human suffering is a function of what we make things mean. If you're not wanting to suffer, stop making stuff mean stuff. Um, so fear needs to be addressed. The second one is support. Novel concept. Support is not a weakness. It's your biggest strength. There is enough support out there, obviously, because of what is transpiring. Leaders need to humble themselves enough to put themselves in an environment where they actually relish the support both for themselves and their people. Number three is uh, tolerations. What would your life look like if you tolerated nothing that wasn't working? People, you know, it's all very well to have goals and have visions, but there's an undercurrent that's taking you in the other direction, which is everything that you tolerate. There's personal tolerations, financial tolerations, relationship tolerations, organizational tolerations that are undistinguished. So one of the big areas that I work with with people is to be able to understand the undercurrent that's taking you. Can you imagine if your toleration is a persistent complaint? something that you complain about all the time. Anything from I get into my car and my car isn't valet to the you know going into the office. And, but there's a zillion things on a day-to-day basis that we tolerate. Right, now, right. If, you, if you live your life and those tolerations aren't there, life becomes a lot more peaceful. I live by a mantra every day of think, do, say, be, forward the game. Is what I'm thinking forwarding the game? If it's not, don't think it. Is what I'm doing forwarding the game? If it's not, don't do it. Is what I'm saying forwarding the game? If it's not, don't say it. And who I'm being on a day-to-day basis, is that forwarding the game? If it's not, don't be that. That trains me at a high degree of integrity to ensure that my game is being forwarded, but a lot of people don't even know what their game is. Uh, Personal boundaries. The number one success strategy for every single successful person on the planet is mandatory application of personal boundaries in the morning. I've been meditating for over 30 years. Anything to get out of the monkey mind, you know, gratitude journal, food, fitness. You know, if you don't put petrol in the car, it isn't going to go anywhere. These are really basic, rudimentary, but the degree to which um, leaders give lip service to this because they're in their so much, you know, in their busyness addiction. And I believe the biggest addiction on the planet is dissatisfaction and people tolerate that and there's no need for it. The other recommendation is obviously the mental health aspect. You know, organizations actually doing a mental health audit. You know, there are many, many statistics out at the moment where staff will not talk about their mental health, let alone anybody at the leadership level. Right. And there needs to be cut through with that. The existing EAP programs are not going to cut it. You know, it needs to be customized to the outcome of those audits that are being conducted because of the increase in the whole mental health side of things. Nature happens in cycles. And you know, I've often had people say to me, why aren't you impacted by what's happening in the world? And obviously, from an equanimous standpoint, I can be the observer of what's occurring, but not be hooked into it, that everything happens in cycles. Nature happens in cycles. You know, yes, currently we might be in a storm right now, but it doesn't last forever. And again, if people had the support, then they would be able to learn how to transition through it. As a change agent, it is your responsibility to go to everything that you're uncomfortable with, everything you're resistant of, and everything that you're confronted by. Because the three cornerstones to any level of transformation lies in uncomfortability, resistance, and confrontation. That becomes the new norm. Like when I get up of a given day, I all I go looking for is where I can be confronted, where I can be resistant, where I can be uncomfortable, because that's where the edge is. Most people, if they're in the linear world, they stay in the comfort zone. Or they run away from it, yeah. They, yeah. yeah. And so relinquishment buckets, there's five relinquishment buckets for a human being. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough money. 
I don't know how, or they'll use some form of illness as a way of being able to relinquish responsibility. A lot of people manifest, I'm a true believer in psychosomatics, what you're not dealing with on the emotional will manifest into the physical. So in these retreats that I used to run, I'd ask the audience, you know, what are some of your relinquishment buckets? You know, how often do you say I don't have the time or I don't have the money or whatever? And you'll hear it. You know, you buy a car, you see the make and model everywhere. You never saw it before and then you see it everywhere. That's right. And so being able to identify, because somebody who's committed will find the money. Somebody who's committed will find the time. Somebody who's committed will find the energy. Somebody who's committed will work out the how. And somebody who's committed will look after their well-being such as they don't manifest illness. So there's a lot of relinquishment of responsibility within leadership for the effectiveness. And obviously, one leader is one thing. A collective of leaders, you know, has a huge impact on the bottom line. And there's not enough impetus in this non-linear space for leaders to be able to have a, you know, an even more healthy uh, working environment. Powerful. So we went through the uh, 10 powerful items. We will make sure that we highlight some of those in the show notes as well. Was Did we hit all 10? Um, I think we did. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, thank you for sharing that. And that ties into some of the other, in your work that you do with leaders, these topics that they have and understanding, again, how their co-creation of understanding the responsibility of taking charge of what you just said on these items. How are you then, uh, I know you talk a lot about co-creativity and about leveraging that. And you also talk about equanimity and playing in living in one's faith. So, because if you are blaming and you're in that victim mode versus stepping out and how can I take responsibility or on a daily basis, getting up and saying, where can I find the edge by what's challenging me? What fears, what am I fearful of the most? And then going into that and finding ways to go through that, you find great power on the other side of that. So you have some curriculum beyond these 10 items that were highlight and tips that also play into some of the slides that we have. So if anybody's watching, we've got some slides here that ties into some of Sally's teachings. If you're not watching and you're listening, we're going to do our best to describe some of the visuals so you can get a picture of what Sally's talking about. We'll also have these as a link in the show notes so you can open up a PDF and see some of these if you wanted to reference it back. But Sally talks a lot about the power of choice. She talks a lot about not being a victim and being a victor. And she also has this ability to understand what someone's own faith might be as to how you can incorporate that in tapping into the unknown, because we all have faith. And even for those of us that have faith, and hopefully all of us do in some way or another, we describe it differently. We sense it differently. We tap it into it differently. But it doesn't mean you can't tap it into even more than you are now. And Sally has this faith model that helps break through some of the processes on that. So Sally, why don't you kind of walk us through for those that can see some of these visuals and then again, describe where people can't see the best we can because these are really succinct and they're meaty and they're dense and they're meaningful. So how about if you take a few minutes and walk us through some of these items here? So we were born fearless, born connected, born intuitive, and then we forgot uh, that was our birthright. So it amuses me that people of faith, regardless of what that is for you, higher power, universal force, collective consciousness, God, one of the benefits of having a faith is leading a fearless existence. And I meet so many leaders who are extremely fearful and yet they say that they are faith-based. So that's where uh, me being a straight shooter would call them on their hypocrisy and train them on how to go to every area of their life that, that they're confronted by, resistant of, uncomfortable with, to be able to experience true faith, which only lies in the unknown phenomenon. So how do you simplify faith? Having coached everybody from every religious sect, spiritual sect, atheist sect, I wanted to come up with a model that made it easy for people. So for those that are listening on audio, you won't be able to see the visuals, so I'll try and do my best in explaining it. So you're either in your default or your power. You're either at a lower level of consciousness or a higher level of consciousness. You're either in your head or your heart. There's either no evidence showing up or there's evidence showing up. You're either living in limited potential or unlimited potential. You're either attached to the known realm or you're attracted to the unknown realm. You're either disconnected or you're connected. So evidence-based people are waiting for evidence to show up before they trust versus possibility faith-based people implicitly trust knowing that the reward is evident. So some people haven't collected the winnings versus and the power side of things, you've actually won lotto. And so for those that are struggling to understand what faith is, so the word co-creation is the word that I use in the corporate context, the conversation that I have that uh, makes it far more palatable to talk about faith within the corporate context, who you are in your human form limited, who you are in your co-creative form limitless and how to tap in. Your intuition is your GPS. And so most people have shut down to listening to their intuition, listening to that first thought. So if one is confused and they're not, they don't know what to do or they're completely resistant of anything to do with faith, usually that's to do, that's to do with distrusting and that distrusting usually comes from their conditioning from their past be that um, a religious upbringing or certain beliefs and behaviors that were adopted in childhood and so if they distrust then obviously confusion will reign and then there's no evidence showing up which will lead into frustration and becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy because if there's no evidence showing up then obviously 
they will stay in not wanting to be interested in anything to do with faith. And that's a cyclical dynamic. Versus when I'm training people to tap into, and I'm not attached to what they call it, but I am attached to them actually experiencing what it's like to reaccess their birthright of being connected in that unknown dimension, uh, which is what I term the fourth, fifth dimension, uh, then by taking action and actually... So Sally, what do you mean talking into the ether? I go, well, you know, if you want to have a conversation with a human being, you've got to be in communication. So if you want to be in communication with the unknown realm, you've got to start communicating. And so part of the actions within the, it's a far bigger conversation today and we probably don't have the time. But in the context, if you could just flip back to the faith slide there, Steve, it would be great. So in the context of taking action, obviously if you take action, then you'll find evidence and then you'll believe that something could be possible. And if you believe something could be possible, then you actually will trust the unknown realm more. And if you trust the unknown enroll more, there'll be more evidence that shows up. And so then that becomes cyclical. So I usually partner with leaders on a six to 12 month journey, and it is unfathomable what they can access when they move away from this traditional linear way of leading into this more non-linear. There are unfathomable dimensions that leaders can access when they get out of the domain of control. So I'll leave it at that just for now. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. And obviously, the, there's no way we can cover all of uh, Sally's stuff in the hour show we have today, but you can clearly get a sense of her depth of mastery on this knowledge. We're going to come back in just a few minutes, and we have a, another segment for about 13 or 14 minutes in our very last segment. But we're going to be talking about the transformational journey, the three stools of like uh, leadership. But mostly, we want to get into also talking about how Sally incorporates this into her own faith, her own definition of spirituality, and what I love is that this process that she goes through, she understands that for those of us who do want to go to the next level, I don't care if you're at any level of your life, if you want to go to the next level, whatever that might be, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, tapping into a Wi-Fi signal of the unknown and tapping into that without fear then helps give you the message that you need to have the guidance to go in and manifest what you want, having these practical skills on a daily basis to then know what to do with that feeling, that heart, that emotion is very very powerful. And Sally is a master at doing that. So come back, hear more from Sally on this process, how she's done that in her own life and how she helps others do that every day. Thanks for listening in. And we'll be right back on the Alchemy of Business show. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. We literally could be doing a three or four hour show today, no problem, but we can't and we're not. So we only have about 13 or so minutes left here with Miss Sally Anderson, who has just been dropping knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb after wisdom bomb after to learn to do to be bomb. She's got so many things of just golden nuggets. But Sally, one of the things on this path that you also created, and for those that can see this image, and I know some of you can't because you're listening in, but she's got this amazing wheel with pie pieces and puzzles all put together. And it's an image of transformational journey to self-mastery. And when I hear some of the stories you've gone through in your own life with your early days of your horrendous attack, with some of the stuff that happened with your brother, your own loss of loss of death of people over the years, but also when some of the stuff that happened in your business and then recently in your most personal intimate relationship with your husband, you've had to walk your talk at a very deep level in the last months and the last years. This is like something that you and I talked about, that this doesn't ever go away. We get challenged with life, keeps going through this wheel, right? When we think we've mastered something, right? We get another thing that says, wow, have you mastered it in this situation? So can you talk to this image that you have for those that those can see it? Because these leaders that you help bring through their own, because everyone has their own COVID coronavirus crisis every day at some point in their life and in their mind. We all, you know, just happen to be globally for everyone now. But in our own lives, sometimes it feels like we've had this hit through the heart and knocked to our knees. And so for you, this image of transformation or journey to self-mastery. Can you explain what this process is and how you, in your own assassination, if you would, of your own self, when you people try to tear you down, when you're trying to bring other people up, how do you sustain that and how do you incorporate this model? So there is a transformative nature to master oneself. And I worked with a phenomenal mentor in Australia. His name's Matt Church um, back in the early days of Thought Leaders. And he asked me, Sally, can you outline your education in one visual? And this was a doodle on an airplane, <laughs> which became this. Uh, because pretty much it's similar to the hero's journey, the 12 stages of transformation. But this focuses on the sustainability piece that people want to change. They're wanting to transition out of where they're operating. They're wanting to experience some level of transformation, but you can go beyond that and experience transcendence. But to experience that level of transcendence, you need to die to this default level of identity that I talk about. So in every organization on the planet, there are human beings in it. Every, every human being has a default identity that, that then has a collective 
underswell of a default undercurrent in every organization that's undistinguished. And so the depth to which I go within organizations is pretty intense because I understand the human psyche more than most. So this is the first time publicly I've actually spoken into it. Um, and I thank you for the opportunity today because I feel ready. It's been three and a half years. So in 2018, at the height of my business, I experienced nine months of the worst character assassination known to man. And during that time, defamation of character, plagiarization of education, three very defaming articles were printed, accusing me of every horrendous act. And to do this work, you have to be clean, and I'm not talking about hygiene. And I believe that I am one of the most integrous uh, operators in the space, because I'm a pure channel. And so I coached a cause, not symptom. I'm a dangerous woman to talk to. Language is my vehicle, not formally trained in anything, which is probably why I get away with everything. And in the context of nine months, so it wasn't nine days, nine weeks, it was nine months. I stayed silent throughout the ordeal when the reporters uh, kept publishing these reports that went on online. They live online for life. So if you Google my name, I am destroyed. So being able to reinvent in three and a half years, a global reputation, a global practice, I'm based in New Zealand, but work 100% offshore is beyond extraordinary. And I've done that online, only using LinkedIn to reestablish myself. So three and a half years down the line, during that nine month period, my husband had a triple bypass, two strokes and a carotid artery operation to avert a third. I'm trying to keep my husband alive. I chose not to engage. I haven't read half of what lives online about me. I have to do full disclosure in every single conversation. So for those leaders out there that are challenged right now with uncertainty and so forth, can you imagine, because reputation is everything, to still generate a business when your reputation is completely annihilated online and lives there for life. So I've had to do that and operate over the top of that. I might have to do full disclosure with every single person I talk to, but being able to transcend that. And so they also forced me into bankruptcy. We're going to take you under death threats. Uh, so I went bankrupt in 2018, very sobering at 53 to lose everything, especially when you're also in a marriage and the marriage, you've got triple bypasses and strokes and so forth going on living in yeah. hospital. And so your whole identity is challenged. And as a result of the character assassination as a result of the bankruptcy it's taken something to actually show show back up again i've i mean i've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on keynote mentorship i used to keynote all around the world i have not publicly really shown up for three years and so this is my first uh, foray back and about six months ago my, my husband died and i call it a master class in equanimity in I teach this thing called equanimity. I teach people on how to be the observer of what is versus how it could have been, should have been, wanted it to be. And then confronted with the loss of my husband, which he died of a heart attack six months ago. And still, obviously, when you're in the coaching domain, my clients have gone through the journey with me. It's been beyond surreal. I'm not the same person. My coaching has changed. My way of viewing the world has changed. But I believe that the death of my husband has been preparing me for what's afoot. I've dedicated my entire life to healing people. And as far as there are a lot of leaders being character assassinated right now, there are a lot of businesses that are going bankrupt right now. Me showing back up again is teaching people, how do you transcend a character assassination? How do you transcend uh, bankruptcy? So I believe it's, and obviously it's only really been since my husband died that I've felt strong enough to return to a public forum, regardless if people want to continue to attack me or not. You know, Brene Brown says it well, you know, the critics and why they don't count that if you're in the arena and you're not in the arena and you've got an opinion of me, what you think about me, I'm, I really haven't got time to think about. But if you want to get your sorry ass into the arena and know what it's like to live in the arena, I might actually you know, give some impetus to what it is that you're, you know, you're talking about. So Brene Brown was very helpful at the time. Alex Chaffon did a phenomenal video about hateness means greatness. There's a great Huffington News article on how do you survive a character assassination. Very handy at the time. And there's something that I'd just like to read. The book that I read and the height of the dynamics that were going on, if you don't mind. Yes, please. I'd love it. Please do. Um, and it was by T.D. Jakes, who wrote yes. a book called The, called the Crushing. Love T.D. Yeah, he's... Fantastic video as well as book, yep. So the crushing process is the beginning of a transformative experience with God. Everything that you have gone through, whether it tried to crush your heart, mind, body, spirit, will be used to strengthen you for the next level of your purpose. The crushing has a purpose. The enemy tried to use it to kill you. But God is going to use it to bring you to a metamorphosis in your life. This change is preparing you to endure what you may come against as you enter your next level. There is a special anointing for those that have been crushed, this anointing will help you withstand anything that comes against you. So stand firm and know that the crushing is actually just the beginning. So I've been in private practice for 21 years. I've been in the leadership space for 33 years. I believe I haven't even started yet. 
you take my husband from me, you know, okay, I'm now with the program. I didn't come to my faith willingly. I was forced kicking, dragging and screaming. And the irony, what you're here to learn is what you're here to teach. And so I'm here learning to completely surrender to my faith, to be able to awaken humanity to, I mean, I should be dead, um, but I'm alive for a reason. And I believe that my purpose is to be able to give back what I've learned and believe that it couldn't have happened for now. But specifically uh, with the death of my husband, I believe that it's um, the ultimate test in being prepared. Well, that is so, so, so powerful, Sally. I, you're talking about at the depth of being able to condense that in the, the few minutes that we had here is just something that most people couldn't even get through and having a conversation about because the, the crushingness that you've had from teens up until months ago has been time and time again. And I'm, I'm going to have to have a new vision of resilience and faith in my dictionary of pictures, and it's going to have your face on it because, you know, you definitely are in the re arena and you play in that arena at a high level. And we never know why we get haters or why we get, you know, uh, people that try and tear us down. And, you know, there's that old phrase, it's lonely at the top. And, you know, just like you had your uh, perpetrators in the early days and you found a way that they were, you know, a spiritual catalyst for you, uh, bringing you to the next level. You and I have talked privately about this in the last uh, few months about your husband's passing and about your character assassination and that this wheel that you had of your own transformational journey to self of mastery, talk about having to walk your talk, talk about having to dig deeper. You're like, shit, I thought I was already deep enough. What the hell? Why? What is this about? Uh, so I applaud you at being this courageous and brave. And I'm glad that you are out back being brave enough to be in the space because so many people need to hear it. It's not that you aren't in the space, but you're stepping out in a different way in the US and on a different form in a different venue than you maybe have done more privately on LinkedIn because there is a reason you are here. There is absolutely a read on all of of us are here on the planet, but your heightened ability to be able to connect with your people that you're coaching, speaking to workshops, there is no experience in emotion that your people may not have, that are having that you have an experience in some way at a very deeper, deeper level. So to be able to be empathetic, to be articulate, to be a master of teaching them, I applaud you on making this something that the world needs. So thank you. Thank you for that. I wonder in this, you're just getting started next journey where this juice comes from of your faith. And uh, the, one of the things I love to talk about on the show is Iggy, inviting good in, inviting God in, and the Iggy principles. But you've been talking about this from the very first paragraph of speaking on the show from the, all the way out. So we don't even have a segment of that because the entire show for you has been, you are the essence of Iggy, inviting God in versus ed or edging God out. And you have realized in your own mastery of this. So in what is ahead for Sally in the weeks and months and years ahead, now that you're just getting started and you know how many things you've share with me your vision of where Sally is now with unfortunately the loss of your love husband, Roger, and having your business still having survived and now thriving in different ways because of your being able to transcend this. Where is your own vision for yourself in the years ahead? What is Sally now going to do on her next chapters for us of her life in this work? Um, in both of my books, I talk about a thing called culturalization, uh, that currently, because we live at a very low level of consciousness in the world, uh, because the education system is teaching the same thing, so we're not evolving consciousness there, we're not evolving leadership, so obviously the forcing of what's happening with COVID, that's forcing a need to look at different ways of consciousness. It's being forced. And so as far as consciousness is concerned, you know, when you get into a car, it's all a bit clunky. You're unconsciously incompetent. You get into your car now, you don't even think about it. You're unconsciously competent. So I'm unconsciously competent in my ability to connect. So I gave up being a human being a long time ago. That was all too frigging hard, right? So 24-7, I'm in communion with my faith. It's like uh, the electricity point. If you're going to plug into the power socket, right? Stop unplugging and turning it off and then you know, leaving it for a while and wondering why you're feeling depleted and so forth. I've learned how to plug in, turn it on, leave it turned on. And so specifically since my husband died, the my experience of myself is very different in the context of what I'm capable of and what I'm able to transcend. So I have a vision of being able to work with in the White House, in the US Senate. And they used to say that Nelson Mandela and uh, Werner Earhart, the founder of EST, when there was made to change in the world, they would be the ones assisting in the background. So I position myself as the invisible coach, visible leadership coach in behind the scenes of those working at the highest level. And I believe given the changes that are occurring in the world, I believe that my entire life has been in preparation for coaching uh, beyond the level that I even have in the last 20 odd years.
billionaires and IKEA, you know, the billionaire sector need to get a conscience about the where the money is distributed. You know, the politicians need to educate the market on their policies rather than begging the opposition. Leaders need to learn about the inner game to be able to transcend their leadership skills and take the economy to a whole new different dimension. The military, you know, given the, the defense force, I mean, there's so many different things. So as far as my vision is concerned, I'm wanting to change the face of counseling and psychotherapy. Sally Anderson doing that dead in the wind. Sally Anderson co-creatively get the hell out of my way because in counseling and psychotherapy, you're not allowed to share anything of a personal nature, whereas I'm the complete opposite. You need to go toe-to-toe who's in front of you to be able to shift the estate. Uh, secondly, I would like to see mastery of the inner critic in the schooling system, just that on its own, because every single person on the planet has an inner critic. Nobody's talking about it yet. Annihilating human potential. Co-creative schools, co-creative universities, you know, those that champion, you know, the human spirit and the human soul. The ability to be able to have my education in the military. Um, it is just a that we allow the pharmaceutical companies to, I mean, the weight loss industry is a trillion dollar industry, not interested in sustainable solutions, you know. So my aspirations and what I've learned since Roger died is that I've done the years of masculine driving, striving, forcing. To me, it's time for me to trust my faith to a new level and to have far more strategic conversations uh, because I'm ready. And again, as I said before, I'm not for everyone, but I do believe that my entire life of adversity, but when I talk about this thing called culturalization, I believe I've lived a life of adversity to teach that there is another way, that what would it be like if you didn't have to experience adversity to learn? And I've survived so much adversity, this whole thing called culturalization is the ability to actually raise consciousness on the planet so that we can evolve to a whole new dimension as a species. But there's certain dynamics that are obviously at play that keep everything in place. And so I don't sell a widget, you know, as an iPhone, you know, I know why people run a thousand miles from me because, you know, if they get in front of me, you know, um, pretty much I see the soul of people because I've already died and come back of my own accord. I've gone through my own resurrection and I believe that I'm here and I'm still alive and I've transitioned all of the adversity that I have to be able to give back what I've learned and that it's a time game and that uh, I need to trust my faith that when the timing's right, the privilege of just being on your show and who's ever listening in the audience. If there's things that resonate out of what I've shared today, I just want to be of service. Um, I don't need the profile anymore. I'm happy to be in behind the scenes being able to support those that are leading our countries, leading our economies, you know, leading our organizations um, globally. Uh, and it is a privilege, you know, on the back of my business card for many years, I had, you know, it is a profound privilege to be in the presence of another human being. But how often are we present? So I feel very uh, privileged to know what I know because I can't go back, you know, um, that's the benefit of knowing. In a weird and wonderful way, the death of my husband has actually provided me elevation that would take people many, many years. You know, I thought I knew death. My father died, my brother died, sister died, <coughs> many friends died. Uh, so I understood death in an early age. Um, but uh, the death of my husband has been something that has transcended me beyond imagining. And I'm pleased to say that I experienced a love that most people would only dream of. So if that was the gift that he provided me, then he did that in space. Well, you've lived a hundred lifetimes in one lifetime and you still are just getting started. So I can't thank you enough, Sally, for being so raw, so real, so wise, so mastery in what you do and having it uh, in a passionate way. And it just go- reminds me for those that do want to open up to the powers of the universe, your vision can be as small as your own home. It can be as small as your city, your country. But for Sally, who also is realizing this is a global energy. She has stepped into her victory of being a victor and being a trainer and a wise, wise sage of the skill that she does. And now she's talking about affecting the world in a global way. So that is the essence of talk about being tapped into faith every day, 24 seven, to be able to do that at a confident level. I applaud you with that. And the world needs more of it. So we need more good, need more confidence. We need more forgiveness. We need more of many of the things you were talking about today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for stepping back in and making this your debut of just getting started, Sally Anderson. And we will uh, thank the listeners for listening in and uh, we will see you all next time. We'll make sure all of Sally's information is in the show notes. Cause I'm sure you're going to want to know more about her, what she does and stay tuned because Sally and I will be doing some work together that we'll be uh, bringing forth to everyone. So I'm looking forward to doing some longer co-work creation segments with her together. So Sally, thank you again for being on the show. The God in me acknowledges the God in you. All right, everyone. Until next time, thank you for listening to The Alchemy of Business Show. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.